Hi, I'm Dana Stevens, Slate's movie critic, and I'm here with the Slate Spoiler Special podcast on Black Swan, the new Darren Aronofsky movie starring Natalie Portman as a disturbed ballerina. With me today in the Slate studio is Emily Tuttle. Hello, Emily. Hi, Dana. And let's establish your, your cred for let's doing do this, this special. You are a choreographer, a dance teacher. That's right. And I wanted to bring you to see this movie with me because I wanted to get an angle on, um, you know, the 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 dance, the view of the dance world in the movie and right. the actual dancing in the movie. And I wanted to do it with someone who I knew could discuss movies intelligently. And, um, <laughs> Thank you. That's sweet. And I'm so I'm very happy to have you here. And I'm it was really fun seeing the movie with you. Yeah, it's it's something, you know. <laughs> quite a movie. Well, usually we start these off. Let me just tell you, since you've never done a spoiler before, and also for people who've never heard one before, this is an untrammeled conversation about the movie. Right. So these are all the things you can't say in a review, revealing whatever happened, and essentially just talking about the movie as you would with a friend as you're right. walking down the block okay. after seeing it. Now, I know because we did walk down the block after seeing it that I liked this movie a little more than you did. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. I didn't dislike it. Uh, I... I think it's worth seeing. I wouldn't. I wouldn't discourage anybody from seeing it. I also. I think the trailer is excellent. Uh, whatever that means. It's but, true. The trailer really, really draws uh, if you. If give out awards for that, you know, this is, <laughs> this is that. But um, I'd heard a lot about this movie coming in, probably going all the way back to this spring um, when they started. I don't know. They've been filming for God, last over a year, I guess in New York um, and there's been a lot of buzz about the movie as there is like anytime there's a dance movie or you know what is it going to do what is it going to be so you mean dancers are talking about this yeah. movie um, going back you know and because Natalie isn't Natalie Portman is not a dancer um, although she does have some background training right yeah I, my understanding is that she danced uh, until she was about 13 when she was became sort of a more serious actress and then in prep for this role she did about a year of pretty intense training um. Yeah, and she looks great in this movie. I mean, her. The one thing that I noticed was her arms are beautiful, um, and I think they really did focus on that part of it the most because um, there's a lot of headshots and a lot of shots of her feet, not her feet, but feet, um, but not a lot of mid-range shots. Um, but I do. I mean, I don't mean to diminish her effort uh, with the ballet stuff because I think that. It comes through, and I think that she's believable on the whole uh, as a dancer. And she certainly has the look. I mean, she lost a ton of weight for this movie. She got down to, like, 95 pounds or something. I mean, she looks totally malnourished. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to fault her preparation for this movie. And it would be yeah. a completely unrealistic expectation that she would be the person dancing on point in the movie. I think that that stuff right. is, is pretty well done. I mean, it's is done it? in a yeah. way that reminds me of... I had thought that it would be more like a digital blending, you know, mm -hmm. something like the way the Winklevoss twins are done in The Social Network, yeah. you know? Um, where where her body was put on a dancer's, I mean, her head was put on a dancer's body or something. Instead, it mainly looks like it's the way they film someone playing a piano in a movie when the actor can't really play piano. No, I would agree with that. I think they just keep true. the things out of frame that you know she couldn't really move in in a convincingly dancerly way. Yeah. So let's just walk people through the story really quickly, sure. and uh, and then we can start taking apart the uh, the performances, spoiling whatever whatever you like. So we start off in a ballet company that's supposed to be the New York City Ballet, but it's never quite named as such. Right. Uh, so Natalie Portman plays Nina Sers, who's like a 20-something uh, ballet dancer uh, in a ballet company in New York, New York City Ballet, most likely. Uh, she's sort of been toiling away anonymously in the core for years. Uh, and it's even implied that she's kind of an older dancer, even though she yeah. can't be more than 26. Or yeah, so. I would say late 20s, which, you know, isn't, it's not over the hill for a dancer. But, I mean, you do get the impression that she's been 
waiting patiently, and her mother certainly feels that way. And she lives at home with her mother, who uh, is... Played by Barbara Hershey. Yeah, how would you explain? How would you describe her? She's uh, she's something. She's a bitter ex dancer. Um, still, sort of treats Nina like a child. Dresses, kind of a character out of a Betty Davis, Joan Crawford kind of. Movie. Yeah, she still she dresses her. You know, she's like can't keep her hands off of her. She's always calling her like you know she's my sweet girl, uh, touching her face, like babying her. You know, stuff like that. But she's uh, but also seems both overbearing, smothering, and also sort of undermining and resentful. Yes, I would say that she simultaneously wants her to succeed and fail, and she doesn't, you know, she's constantly bringing up the sacrifices that she made so that Nina could be here, which, as far as I can tell, is she got pregnant and Don't left. They, didn't she give up her dance career? Isn't the idea that yeah, she was a dancer? Yeah, that she well? was a dancer until she became a mother, something like that, or something close to that, right? I don't know. <laughs> I will say, if I can just throw in a sidebar about, about production design, that I think their apartment is really, really well done. It's ridiculously over the top, the space that they live in. It's claustrophobic. And Nina's room is, is like a 10-year-old girl's yeah. room full of stuffed animals and a music box that literally plays the Swan Lake theme as right. a little ballerina turns around and all kinds of things that are just campy and over the top but kind of great. And then her mother, Barbara Hershey, has also become a painter, I guess, you know, with all of her repressed right, yeah. artistic <laughs> talent from giving up her dance career. And she has this scary horrible room full of these these stark looking portraits that she right. that she paints and there's one scene well this happens twice and i think the first time it's great but there's one scene when nina who's sort of slowly going mad walks into the room and only one pair of eyes on one portrait follows her and it, you almost don't see it happen and mm-hmm. it's really scary and cool then later on the whole room goes crazy and i thought it was too much but okay so so yeah. go on with your with your story um, yeah, so there's an artistic director of this company who's played by uh, Vincent Cassel, the French actor, and um, he sort of pushes out an aging principal ballerina who's played by Winona Ryder. Um, Interesting casting, right? I like I like the casting. <laughs> I like that too. I thought she was probably in the movie for like eight minutes or something, but she was excellent. And uh, but he chooses Nina to dance the lead role of uh, the Swan Queen in uh, his upcoming production of Swan Lake, which is. A modernist production of Swan Lake, he proclaims he's going to strip it down and it's going to be like something really... But let me ask you original. as a choreographer, they don't, they don't do anything particularly inventive with the choreography of Swan Lake in this movie, right? The costumes, yes, like the costumes which the costumes are by are Rodarte great. are pretty mm-hmm. incredible, but the choreography looked pretty classical, conventional to me. I would say that, but I really... We, we, we didn't get to later, see that much of it. There's not a lot of dancing in this movie, considering, well, compared to other sort of ballet movies, in, you know, of this genre, if this is a genre. But uh, anyway, yeah, so the Swan Queen, it's a really tough role. I mean, it's pretty famously demanding because it's a dual role. Uh, the same dancer dances two parts, which is Odile, who is, I mean, excuse me, Odette, who's the white swan. She's like a virginal sort of innocent um perfect for Nina, who's this, you know, growing up child kind of thing. And then um, Odile, who's the black swan, who is like seductive, manipulative, sensual, which is obviously more of a stretch for Nina. And in the in the ballet, it, they they are the same, for not only the same dancer, but the idea is that some, some malevolent figure transforms Odette into Odile, right? I mean, in the story, they're not two separate people, or they are? Uh, no, they're two separate people. Odette is... Um, She's been turned into a swan um, by a sorcerer's curse, unexplained sort of what the motivation is behind that. But um, And the only way she can break the curse is to win the love of, like, a prince. I don't know if it has to be a prince, but it is a prince in the story. Um, 
And so if he sort of rescues her, of course, um, the spell can be broken. Otherwise, she's sort of doomed to be. She's actually a swan by day, and then she transforms back into her human form at night. Um, And so they meet um, the prince and Odette, and uh, they fall in love. And then the sorcerer, what's his name? Gosh, uh, Roth, Rothbart. <laughs> she, he's fallen in love with Odette. And so Rothbart, who's the uh, evil sorcerer, he has a daughter who he puts a spell on her to make her look identical to Odette. And this is Odile, the black swan. So it's not actually the same uh, person. It's a trick that's played on the prince by the sorcerer. So he meets who he thinks is Odette at a ball, like a big uh, production. and But it's, actu- it's actually Odile, sort of, you know. And they dance, and he thinks he's fallen in love with her. He thinks it's the same girl that he met previously. He declares his love. That that's, must be a complicated piece of dancing, when she has to dance the bad girl pretending to be the good yeah. girl. That's and they move in, the in totally different ways. And that, I mean, that is, you know, that's true. And that is sort of the only thing that Aronofsky is interested in um, about, like, he doesn't, rely on the story, the plot of Swan Lake, really, at all. He's just interested in the doubleness, Yeah, right? that's it. Uh, the black swan and the white swan, um, which, you know, okay, I guess. He sort of reduces it, though, dumbs it down to, like, a, a virgin, virgin horror thing. Completely. Uh, which, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I guess that's okay. Um, just maybe a little familiar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, but, you know, so the director of this company, he's a real jerk, and, you know, he's an egomaniac, and He's always he's telling Nina, like, you're perfect for the white swan, you know, but, you know, it's a real stretch for you to be a black swan. And basically, like, to get this right, she just needs to go home and, like, masturbate, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's actually his directorial <laughs> that's advice. That's his at advice one point. to her, you know, so there you go. And, um, Oh, and we're forgetting about the Mila Kunis yeah, character. So, so meanwhile, her other rival in the company. Yeah, there's Mila Kunis, and she's like fresh off the plane from San Francisco, of course. And, uh, and she dances without a bun to show that she, oh, her God. hair is flying free. And she free. smokes, and she has sex, and she has a tattoo, and she like eats cheeseburgers, and I mean, all this just crazy stuff. And um, so... So there's a very starkly drawn contrast, yeah, right, between the uptight repressed... There's no... Yeah, it's black and white, if you will. It's There's no nuance involved. Uh, and... So obviously Nina is very threatened by Lily. But Nina does get cast. And this is something I didn't reveal in my review because I wanted it to be. It happens about a third of the way into the movie or something like that. But in a scene that's pretty confusing because she was just told by Vincent Castle that she didn't get the part. Right. She then goes out to the hall and her name is posted as having gotten the part. I'm not quite sure why he fakes her out there. Is it just to torture her? Yeah, I think he told her that I forget the girl's name, but so and so got the part, and he wanted to see her reaction to that, like if she would fight for it, if she would say no, like I'm the person for that role, and she doesn't really. She just sort of whimpers, which is like pretty much how she always talks or always approaches things. And uh, he makes out with her. He sort of attacks her, and she bites his lip, and then um, yeah, and then she but gets he, cast. He, he would have had to change his mind so quickly. The way that scene is laid out, he'd have to be running to the printer to put right. the sign to put up on the door the second she bit his lip. Oh, now she gets the part. Yeah, I kind of thought that was... I thought that he had already decided to cast her and he just wanted to test her. I don't know. That's the way I think it could be either. It doesn't matter. But um, 
Yeah, and then right after that, I love the scene where she goes into the bathroom and she calls her mom on her cell phone. And I think the exact dialogue, the exact line is, Mommy, he picked me, mm-hmm. you know, which is like the best line in the movie because it's like so revealing. All of her issues are like laid bare in that one line. Um, and we both agreed, actually, separately, <laughs> without having you know acknowledged it during the movie at all, that that was our favorite scene, acting-wise, yes. in the movie. That was one of the few moments where I was moved, emotionally involved in the story, the scene where she goes into this bathroom stall and calls her mother and tells her. Yeah. And that's the only person she can call in that moment. I mean, that's all she has, you know. And, um, yeah, I love that scene. It's the only scene that really had meant anything to me. So as soon as she gets the part, the kind of meat of the movie begins, which is this long rehearsal period, this long stretch of, of preparation for the it's part. It's not that long, though. It seemed to me like it just, like, all of a sudden, it's opening night. That's the way it seemed to me. But but, but it's still, it feels like what the movie's interested in is neither, in a way, opening night nor no. getting the part. It's interested in the stuff that happens in her brain yeah. while she thinks she can't do the role, right? So basically, she has this giant inferiority complex, which the yes. director is egging on and, and actually worsening, thinking that that's somehow going to make her more able to play the black swan. And the whole this whole center of the movie is is about her mental disintegration i guess you would say emotional disintegration as she loses the boundaries between herself and the role between herself and lily who's the milicunis you know bad girl rival character right. the boundaries between herself and her mother and basically there's a scene after scene after scene in which it seems that something horror movie like and objectively spooky is happening and then we learn that it's only in in her brain and this part i think was more powerful for me than you i mean I, as a whole i would say that this movie doesn't work but it did evoke a lot of sensations in me maybe not emotions but sensations and uh and what kind of sensations like the physical stuff yeah just clammy palms yeah. you know dread of what, what was going to happen next yeah. um all that kind of body horror stuff where someone's body is slowly falling apart mm-hmm. before their eyes always really gets to me and that happens to her in ways that are related to dance sometimes like breaking her toenail on point which was a, a gross little close-up of a bloody foot but also these weird things where her skin's kind of peeling off or changing textures so that it starts to look like swan skin you know like right. poultry skin and um poultry skin and I thought some of that stuff was it was definitely beautifully done, you know, in terms of just the technique and yeah. the color. But some of it was also, I just thought, really cinematically imaginative. And if only the ideas in the movie, that basic virgin whore idea was just so not interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and the duality of Nina was not interesting because her interiority was not well created. But it wasn't really created at all. I, I mean, God, I mean, it's a, it's a psychological thriller. Is that what we're calling it? You know, but he's really not interested in psychology. I don't think any of these characters are, I mean, I hate to say like well-developed, but I mean, I have no idea what motivates Nina. I have no idea why she wants this role. I have no idea how she feels about ballet. I have no idea. I mean, she is constantly talking about this like, I mean, just obsessive pursuit of perfection, whatever that means. And she really believes, like, down to her nerve endings that that's, like, a attainable goal. Um, but how did she get there, and why is that? Why is that? I, none of that stuff is even... I, I don't know. What did you think? Do you know what I mean? Or is it kind of... Yeah, I don't know that the movie itself knows how to think about perfection. I mean, it clearly is in some way a, a, a critique of the ballet world, right, and of the way that it plays into this particular unhealthy girl's OCD, anorexic-style personality. It's never said right out that she's anorexic, but the, how uh, the whole ballet world sort of is. more bulimic, yeah. And yet at the end, when she achieves her triumphant performance as the Black Swan, right, the, the, the movie ends on this, this performance scene in which, I mean, we're basically sort of being told she did dance the role perfectly, yes. right? Um Oh, I have a question about that final scene, actually, as long as we're spoiling. So 
the the big um, dramatic reveal of what happens. Well, we'll get to the very end in a second. But remember when the dancer drops her, the male dancer? Yeah. Is that supposed to have really happened? Do you think, or is that one of those crazy things that happened only in Nina's mind? That was completely unclear to me. It's a great question. I I didn't think twice about it. I just assumed that it happened. Um, because that seems like it would take away from the standing ovation she gets as like the greatest <laughs> performance ever. I mean, if if a guy drops the prima ballerina, that would be a pretty big flaw in the, the right. evening's performance. I thought it was just like she just transcended that and there was like this huge sort of arc of her performance. And that was sort of like what she was excited about. That's clearly what the movie wants us to believe. But like, as you say, because we don't know anything about the subjectivity of Nina or what performance means to her, because it's not really a movie about being a performer and what no. it is to be a performer the end just sort of seems like she got an A on the test or yeah. something like that. It's, I'm just thinking about great movies about performance. The one that we mentioned coming out of the movie is The Turning Point, right? Which I think you and I both agree is just one of the great dance movies yes, of all time. Absolutely. And, well, for one thing, that movie did cast a, a real dancer, Leslie Brown, Leslie as Brown. the as the young girl who achieves you know a transfigurative performance at the end. Yeah. And but but it was also just the writing. I mean, I just felt like that was far far more of a film about the subjectivity of performance rather than you know um, the objectivity of measuring up to some standard. Yeah, but I think. Aronofsky is that's really his own thing. I don't think I think when you make a movie about dance or other movies about dance like The Red Shoes, The Turning Point, even like The Company, which I really love, um, even Center Stage, like there's a certain amount of I guess you could say reverence or affection for ballet as an art, um, but that is completely absent from this movie, in my opinion. I don't think he has any sort of uh, he has nothing good to say, so to speak, about ballet, and he doesn't trust um, the movement. Uh, doesn't trust bodies to tell the story at all. He doesn't trust his dancers. He doesn't trust the bodies to tell the story. He doesn't trust them to say anything about Nina's, you know, emotional transformation or her disintegration. Right, and, and, and instead, there's a lot of. Um thematic insistence on that and both of us sort of agreed coming out of this that although this has some some beautiful images the basic theme that it's, it's structured around could be something from an undergraduate paper <laughs> right on Dostoevsky or something I mean there's this doubleness it's the double in the That's most right. literal sense the black the white the good girl the bad girl the virgin the whore and this scene which we, this is what we should really get to spoiling because it's the very last act of violence in the movie the scene in her dressing room on opening night right mm -hmm. where Nina having had basically a non-stop nut out for you know the three previous nights or something and gotten no sleep the night before <laughs> and she's gone on an ecstasy trip and she's had all kinds of weird hallucinations so she comes completely freaked out for opening night and then there's the scene where she thinks that someone in her dressing room is trying to kill her and sometimes it's her right it's it's her dark self and sometimes it looks like it's the Mila Kunis character mm -hmm. I thought it was going to transform into Barbara Hershey at some point which would have been cool but that never happened but so then there's this ambiguous that figure cool. that she's struggling with right I kept thinking that the mother was going to be working <laughs> and and then she breaks a mirror right just That's in case right. we didn't get the doubling theme and then stabs this person other figure with the mirror and then after she stabs her let's see if we can walk through this the, the, then it looks like mila kunis right yes. then we see mila kunis lying there dead mm -hmm. and the movie wants us to believe that she's actually killed her rival right. and she drags the body into this closet <laughs> yeah. and um stuffs a towel under the door so the, the blood won't leak out and goes and dances the first act uh yeah I, I don't know if it's the first act i think like swan lake's in four acts right and i think that after she dances the first act she uh comes back down to change into the black swan and uh, Mila Kunis's character is sitting there, right? Right. Yeah, and, and Mila Kunis's like, character. Why don't you just let me go out there and do it? I don't think you're up to it, you know. And 
then oops you know oh so it's in the okay so it's in the middle of the ballet yeah. that she does the stabbing but anyway so she dances some part of the ballet with this with this body in the closet yeah and um, then comes back down then this is stuff this stuff actually would all be great if we cared about her character i mean yeah, I think it, would, it would be terrifying the, i think it would be all of the switch around stuff is kind of yeah. cool so then she comes back down and notices that there isn't any blood leaking from the towel, I guess, moves it yeah, away. Yeah, she moves the towel away and there's nothing there. And at that moment, I thought, once again, that Barbara Hershey was going to be involved because it seemed like the mother is the figure that she needs to internally kill in order to Absolutely. to grow up and move on. And I, th- I thought she was going to open the door and it would have been a pretty neat reveal, like, oh, wait, I actually killed my mother, not knowing whether it was myself or this other dancer, but it was my mother all along. Um, but instead, the closet's empty. So then there's only one person left that she could have killed, right, yeah. which is herself. And she dances the last act, yes. the actual transfiguration into the black swan with this with this wound, this growing wound on her on her abdomen. And then in the very final scene, which is the, yeah. the, the black swan The white swan. I'm sorry, the white swan leaping to her death from this, this cliff. Yeah. She actually does, in fact, die. Yeah. She leap yeah, she leaps off and then everybody, you know, is, there's like a standing ovation and everybody crowds around her and she says like breathlessly like it was perfect you know and then everybody notices like oops there's tons of blood and that's sort of the end like they wouldn't have noticed during the performance yeah, you know and that is the very end right the, the, the very last end. the last shot is basically her glazed eyes staring up into yeah. space mm-hmm. it's so extreme i mean now that we're telling the story it sounds like it would be sort of this great piece of camp but I don't know why I felt it's so... Campy. It's very campy. But, and I love camp, but I felt so emotionally uninvolved by that point. And, and I don't know where yeah. it was that the movie lost me. I don't really blame Portman, although I'm not I don't the either. biggest Portman I don't fan. I don't blame her at all. I just think it had to do with the fact that the movie didn't know what it wanted to say about dance, about performance, about that character, about anything. I think that it was it was very caught up in visual themes and you know hammering yeah. home a few very simple ideas. Mm-hmm. And yet people are really, really loving this movie. I feel like it's being taken seriously as a work of art in a way that you and I just can't take it seriously. Right. Whatever else I may think about this movie's effectiveness or mm-hmm. ability to make my palms sweat or incredible Rodarte tutus, I just ultimately think that it's it's a silly work of art. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm i totally a scaredy cat. I, I am not somebody who likes horror movies, and I'm that person who has you know, hands over the eyes the entire time, like, peeking through. And, I mean... And you were fine with all the... Like, there are scenes, like, there's a scene where Winona Ryder, like, stabs herself in the face with a knife, you know, like, out of nowhere. And um, there's just a lot of, like, cheap sort of scare moments like that. And, I mean, I had to, like, stop from laughing. I mean, I didn't care at all. I wasn't scared at all. I didn't care what happened to her. You know, I didn't... Stab away, I was in, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess I was interested. I mean, I was watching what was happening to her, but, um, yeah, it's kind of rare that you don't have sort of any investment one way or the other in a character. Is that rare? I don't know if that's rare. But to me, it was just... It was a very bizarre feeling. I kept waiting for, like, her to sort of pull me in or for me to feel like a certain sort of relationship with her and her struggle but absolutely never happened and uh, it's just bizarre are you going to tell all your dancer choreographer skater friends to to not see this movie or are you curious to sort no. of have them see it and talk about it they yeah, should hate, think, they should hate <laughs> see it they should hate see it exactly um no i think everybody should see it i don't know if i was as impressed as you were with all the horror and like sort of gross out moments. All right. Well, when you get your posse of dancers and choreographers together to see it, I would I would love to hear their reactions too. <laughs> so thanks a lot for coming with me to the movie. I thank you, Dana. And thanks for joining me for this late spoiler special. 
Our producer is Krishnan Vasudevan. Our executive producer is Andy Bowers. For Slate.com, I'm Dana Stevens. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.